Welcome one and all to another episode of the Comic Chronicle Podcast. I'm your guys' host, Dakota Morgan, coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. Today we have a really fun show today. It is a really good episode if you guys like writing or you're a fellow writer or author, such as me and my guest here today. Steven Englehart is on the show. The man, the myth, the legend, co-creator of Star-Lord, Mantis, Kilowog from DC, the Manhunters. Oh, much goodness. And he writes such good stories, too. He's on the show, and I even dubbed it in the episode, the TED Talk episode of the podcast, because we talk so much motivational and inspirational stuff in the sense of, you know, being a writer and what to do, what to bring to, you know, creating these characters. And if you're a writer, what to bring to your characters yourself. And, you know, we talk to him working on Marvel DC, the terms and conditions that they are in and have been in. Seriously, guys, is a really interesting and fascinating episode. And we get behind the scenes with Steven, too and how he became to be. So if you guys like the episode and want to stay tuned for more, we have new episodes every Monday, of course. And if you subscribe, it helps us really, really help us out immensely. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or even comicchronicle.podbean.com. You can catch us up on there. Or if you want to follow the show on social media, at Dakota underscore Morgan 97 on Instagram or at Dakota Morgan 3 on Twitter. So yeah, folks, hopefully you guys enjoy the episode. Stay tuned for more. And without this going on for too long, here is my talk with steven yeah we're recording uh okay. steven i want to get it on record though thank you for coming on the show because i definitely got to say and you might get this a lot this is an extreme honor to have you on the show uh i've i've learned the whole secret to extreme honors and the and the and the and the use of the word legendary just happens because you've been around for a long time it's true. Is that uh, word wore off on you yet, or are you like, yes, yes, let's well, give it that. Thing, you know, I mean, uh, I did what I did, you know, and then and then and then I didn't die, so now I'm, <laughs> you know. But but when yeah. they first when we first sort of noticed that the word legendary was coming up a lot, um, I was calling myself the legendary Steve Englehart, I E L S E I E L C. So around. Amazing. Around our house, I you know I get referred to as Elsie. Oh uh, my god, that's the definition of an inside joke, and it is amazing. Well, <laughs> I hundred percent got to say that's amazing. It's just it's you know, uh, I I find it hard to imagine myself as being legendary, or or that you need to be honored, you know. Yeah. Or whatever. I think that's the key. As a guy with my amount of fans, like that sounds not pretentious, but like with my fans, right? Like I, they tell you, "Oh, you're really inspiring, motivating, all this other crazy stuff." It's like, am I really though? I, I, I don't know about. I, and that's apparently the healthy way to look upon it. Because if you're like, "Yes, keep the compliments are coming to me," then you're just turning into this pretentious dude. It does not work well in your favor. So I think no, we're living I a good never, way. I never. It's not my nature, and I have yeah. seen other people go down that road, and I, yeah. as you say, not not a good road to go down. It's true. It's true. But, I mean, who knows? Karma seems to be taking full effect on people, like we were talking before the recording. You never know what can happen to those people these days, so maybe they touch the wrong door handle. I don't know. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's true. They're like, oh, yes, I am I'm the wonderful person, and then they just all of a sudden get sick a week later, and everyone's like, well, that sucks. <laughs> sucks to be you. Well, I mean, I'll tell you a quick, I mean we're all the summation of things that we learned along the way. And uh, the story that sticks with me is uh, the first time I was going to go to Europe, I went to New York first uh, for a while before I went to New- to Europe. Mm-hmm. And, and this skinny guy came up to me. This was in 76, I guess. 
this skinny guy came up to me and he said, Mr. Englehart, I'm, my name's Frank Miller, and, and, and I wonder if we could, could do something together sometime. And I said, well, you know, I, I'd be happy to, but I'm about to go to Europe. I can't do anything. And I went to Europe, and I come back, and I ran into Frank in the halls, and he, and he came up to me and says, hi, I'm Frank Miller. <laughs> you know? And like, hmm. <laughs> things, things had changed while I was gone. But, but you know, he came, he came, what I always hope to see because I think everybody kind of goes through that, you know, you nobody knows who you are and then you do something and they go, Oh, we like that. And you go, yeah, yeah. I guess you do, you know, but hopefully you get to the point where you go, yeah, but I don't want to be, you know, a pretentious jerk. I, I, you know, I, I'll go on from there. Frank did. I make that, I want to make that clear. Yeah. But I just, I just was struck at how, you know, when you, when you, it's easy. I mean, cause you get all these letters and stuff going, you're really good. So after yeah. a while you go, Oh, well, I guess I am, you know? <laughs> it's true. You're like, hmm, but, this on know, something. It's like, yeah, okay. So, you, whatever. Yeah. Go oh, ahead. yeah, yeah. No, it's, you're absolutely right on that. I mean, you just can't. Maybe it's Midwestern Valleys and me that are like, because I, I may, like I said, I'm in Arizona. I make it perfectly clear. I say in an intro later on after record. But I grew up in Illinois for about 16 years. And oh, it's okay. either. Huh? I'm from Indiana. Oh, we're basically, I mean, it's the same thing. <laughs> you know, I look about it like, well, one's a little bit safer to live in. And I tell people, it's like, you know what? There's two types of people in Illinois. The really charismatic, nice people or the ones you will walk across the street to avoid. So there's two types of people. <laughs> I chose to be the one that's nice. So, hey. Yeah. But, oh, man. Well, I just probably pissed off every fan in Illinois right now. <laughs> oh, well. Um, it just happens. I love you all. But yeah, man, I definitely got to say is you've been in the business for a while, but I'm curious right now because I didn't get a chance to look too deeply into it. And I kind of want to ask you yourself, like, what is Steve Englehart doing these days? Like, what is it that you're kind of like working on? Is it retirement? Is it just maybe you're doing a sm- uh, few small things? Like, what what's the daily life for you? Yes. The answer to that question is yes. Oh. Um, I'm, um, I'm basically retired. Oh. Um, I've got grandkids i like to travel i mean all that good stuff um on the other hand i like to write too and so i'm doing this sort of um very large and complex um mini series in which each each episode is 44 pages because there's it's so large and complex um mostly as a test for myself, you know, I mean, I set myself a, a hard task to just to have some challenge to do the mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then, in addition to that, um, I've written a couple comics for kids with cancer. Um, oh. People who, um, a company that makes the machines that deal with cancer treatment, whatever, uh, contacted me, and and that's been you know very rewarding. I don't want to I don't want to get too soppy about it, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, basically, it takes the idea was to take what the treatment is going to be for the kid and turn it into a superhero story, so that you get all the right information, but you get it in a very kid-friendly sort of way. And that's been really, you know, it's been well received, um, particularly by the kids. And and you know, going to hospitals and seeing the kids who who are undergoing the treatment. You know, that's not, that was not part of my normal, uh, reality previously. So that's mm. been, that's been very, you know, very good to do. So, I mean, to answer your question, it's just, um, 
as I as I said at some point, maybe before we started recording, but I'm not dead. So yeah. you know, I you know I, I like to write. I like to do a lot of different things, and I and I got the time to to do them. So so I, you're retired, but not whatever seems right. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. My bad. Was I mean, you're retired, but you're not. So it's like. Well, the thing with a writer is they don't hand you a gold watch at 65 and say, okay, thanks for coming. You know, it's like, if yeah. you're right, you're right. You sit in a room by yourself and you make up stories. So you don't really need uh, anybody else to tell you whether you can or can't. Exactly. Well, and, and you, I just want to put upon this, the touch upon what you just mentioned with the hospitals. I definitely want to say is if whatever belief fans or yourself may be, if there is an afterlife, then I 100% say, you are going to the good place. One hundred percent, you are going to the good place. If well, you, you know what the good place really is, though. So, you know. That's true. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. It's true. Oh. Um, Never. Uh, that, that made me laugh more harder than it probably should have. <laughs> well, so you obviously are doing so much work. It seems still, and I, I really respect that because there's writers who I know. I won't say names, but you know that give up. And then there's I talked to Dimitrius. God. Uh, a couple months ago, I think at this point, and he was kind of in the same boat. He said, "You know, I'm working all the time, but I'm kind of retired." So it's like he does a bit of work, but he's still like he takes time with the grandkids. Like we were talking about the grandkids before recording and all that other jazz. You know, like we take the time and relax a little bit, still enjoy the family. And to me, that sounds perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I, yeah, I don't know what Mark is doing. Um, I, you know, I don't do anything, you know, for Marvel or DC. I mean, if I, this thing I'm doing for myself would probably, you know, end up being an image or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, you know, I mean, one reason I got out of the business was I wasn't happy with the way the business had gone, becoming more bureaucratic and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I even understand why it did, but, it, you know, it wasn't what interested me. So I don't know if Mark is doing stuff for Marvel and DC still or what he's doing, but I'm oh. not. Yeah, he's doing a little bit with it. And I, I, I'm with you on that, that things have changed. A little bit. We we live in a new era of stuff, and you, I I want to tread waters carefully here, so not to tick off a whole bunch of people. But the times always changing with the motives and the morals and stuff like that too. And it's something you really, you, hmm, you can really. I I don't I don't enjoy some of it, and I enjoy some of it. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's like I don't hate all of it, but I I tend to enjoy it. I understand. I get why you left. I honestly do. Like, and because you were around what year i don't mean to date you <laughs> oh i started in 71 72 oh. um, um so i was there you know through i guess what we call the bronze age now whatever all oh, the way to the end of the marvel age and then and then beyond um um but it was you know we had a lot more creative freedom back in the day and, yeah. and um, the bureaucratic approach just doesn't interest me you know i i don't i don't have to do it fortunately i you know i mean i can be retired and and uh um uh, do what i want to do which is uh, a huge positive yeah i mean but i but i totally get people who are younger who are still working in the business you know have to have to have a different attitude and and um you know i mean i i'm just in my situation i don't have to to chase a deadline, you know. Exactly, and that's why I like working indie books and working for indie companies is, you know, there is not really, there's somewhat, as long as you keep track of stuff a little bit, but I got so much creative freedom, it's 
nice. It's really relaxing. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Oh, that's the way it ought to be. Yeah, like it, that deadline. Well, there's a deadline on anything because I also work in the film industry as well. So mm-hmm. when you get that deadline, oh, in film, it's scary. <laughs> but when when you get that yeah. deadline, it just it's so much pressure. And I think what was it? Adam Savage from MythBusters. I listen to his podcast and watches stuff on YouTube. He said something about like deadlines are the anchor and the stab to the heart or something like that. I'm probably butchering it too, but it was like something we can both relate to. And like when you get a deadline, that stress immediately goes tenfold, especially when they're like, oh, you got a week. Like, oh shit, what am I going to do here? I, I, a week? Like, oh, hold on. Like, you, okay, you want the story here? What about this? And then you're worrying about the logistics and then you're able to do your story and then it's just not really that good. And you're like, oh crap. I, uh, I, deadlines are my bane of existence in film and comics. I, they really are. But um, I'm curious on your side of things, Stephen, is as a writer, I don't often get to ask this question too much because I'm curious. What do you like to bring, as a fellow writer, what do you like to bring to what you create? Like what what is the part of Stephen that you bring to your work or an art piece or even just like a mini poem or anything like that or even the work you're doing right now? Well, if I understand the question, I, you know, maybe I don't, but I mean, I'm all about the characters. I mean, I really hmm. like to write all the different characters. I, and, you know, that's one reason I got into comics was because there's so many characters. Yeah. But I really like to get inside each of those heads and try to figure out, you know, who that person um, would be. Uh, that's just always been my approach uh, to, you know, I mean, I think... You can you can do a comic with the world's greatest explosion in it, you know. But I mean, oh. you, you have to care whether the characters involved got blown up or not, you know. So it's like, to me, the characters are the most important part of the whole deal. I mean, it's a hybrid medium. I'm not dismissing art or anything else, but I'm just saying, to me as a writer, what I really want to do is is get inside the characters' heads. Um, because each one should be different, and, yeah. and that's fun for me to go see who this guy is or this woman is or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and you want to see the development of that character. Like, what's their backstory sort of thing? Like, what? why do they do what they do? Because they're not just mindless little goons. Not The Kingpin's not a mindless goon, or Magneto's just like, oh, I'm, sh- I'm going to wave a hand and just kill people today because I'm just that's what I do. Like, no, 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 there's a reason. Right, exactly, yeah. Um. I remember in my earliest days thinking, you know, why is this supervillain doing what he's doing here? Why does he think this is a good idea? You know, and 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 uh, not just making him, as you say, just a straw man who waves his hand and kills people. But, you know, all those, you know, good, good guys, good guys, bad guys, whatever. I mean, I'm I'm interested in. My name is Andrew, and I am the host of a show called Rage Hunter. And on Rage Hunter, we cover the latest news and what's trending in the gaming industry with just a hint of some sarcasm and rage. You probably have this hole, you know, this void in your life that you don't know how to fill. Well, Rage Hunter is going to fill it. And the best part is we are everywhere. iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, Podbean, Instagram, Twitter. So that way, you can get as much rage in your life as possible. And some news while you're at it. So come check us out and be a part of the greatest gaming podcast in the universe. See you there. You know, How far back do you go with their backstory? Do you go like, 
to the kid years when you're when you're creating the character. Because I go back kind of, I'm like Guillermo del Toro. I will go back pretty far to be able to create a character. And like, oh, let's go to the teenage years. <laughs> it's like, hold on, like how far back do you usually go, or do you at all? Probably just, I mean, far enough. I think this comes from being, you know, on those those deadlines, writing those books and so forth. I mean, mm-hmm. I I go as far as I need to go, but I don't have a, you know, I don't have a set thing that I have to do before I can write a character or anything, you know? I mean, I, I want to know more than I want to, you know, have some surrounding to the guy, some depth to the guy, yeah. but I don't need to go any farther than I need to go. I like know? it. I like it. And I kind of want to touch upon is, because I'm actually really curious upon, I meant to ask about it before, is Stephen, like, what is this new thing you're working on right now? Because I'm really curious because this seems like a baby to you. Like, this is like, this is my thing, and you're not dead yet, as you said. <laughs> so, right. still got a little bit left in you. You want to keep yeah. going, and like yeah. this seems like that thing. Like, what? What is it? Can you give any information on it, or is it kind of like top secret? Yeah, it's pretty much top secret. Yeah. I mean, it's just because I'm, I've set myself some really lofty goals, and I kind of feel like I've got a handle on that, but I haven't actually done it yet, and I ah. don't want to. You know, it may change. Things may may change. So that's why I'm I'm not really giving out too much information on it but fair enough i mean 44 pages is a lot to do for, I know, and, oh. and for every issue right oh. but i couldn't do it in any less i was originally thinking oh i just do a comic and then when i started to write it it's like oh no i need a whole lot more space than this, i've got in order to make this work so this seems like something that is something that you want to put everything like everything you didn't get a chance to do this seems like okay i get to make a character like this now or i get to do something like that. this seems like this is that final thing like i get to do what i want haha yep i knew it <laughs> so immediately sounded like well you have done a lot of work in the comic industry too and whatnot and it's widely known widely known like what advice can you give to fellow writers out there because obviously people are like this guy's done so much he's created so much like what is he what can he tell me like what like advice can you give the writers out there Stephen? because there's got to be i mean maybe it's a con question i know but like i'm curious in myself what sort of thing well i mean if you're a professional writer writing is a job which means you know there are days when you don't feel like it but you still have to you know to do something mm. and it's kind of you know it, it it sort of trains you to not get caught i mean everybody gets caught by deadlines now and again but it kind of i mean when i was you know in the periods when i was working at marvel in dc i was doing four books a month which meant a book a week which meant my usual thing was like two days to like really work out the story, three days to write it, one day to let it sit there and let me think, did I do anything that I need to change or whatever? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then a day off and then do it all over again for the next book, whatever. Um, and, you know, I, that's what I learned to do. I mean, all this stuff is just I walked in the door and they said, this is this is how the job works. So it's like, OK, well, then that's that's what I need to do. Um so there are times in any writer's life with writer's block or, you know, whatever you want to call it, where you just don't want to do it. But my thing has always been do something, you know, even if you hate every word of it and you're going to change it, you know, mm-hmm. you've, you've made some sort of progress. You've, you know, you've, you've written something down 
which if all you do is go, that's shit, I have a better idea today. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. like, you, you, you can't do that if you don't have something in the first place, right? Um, and and so, I mean, I had a, 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 a friend once who said, I hate writing, I love having written. And, what? and that's very true. I mean, once you've written something, then you can edit it. Then you can, like, move things around and add things. And, you know, you've got something to work with. But first, you know, writing is the part where you have to create the thing that you're actually working with. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and so um, uh, the only advice I've really got is if you think you want to write, you know, write. Don't, don't wait for the muse to strike and only write then. Don't think yeah i've got this really good idea and you know i'll get to it next week or you know i mean it's like uh, if you want to write write and, yeah. and it, you know and if you don't i mean if that's if that strikes you as more than you actually want to do then probably you want to draw or you want to do something else you know um uh and it, it's everybody's an individual let me add that too so i mean if you're somebody who takes three years to write a comic book but it's the greatest comic book ever then more power to you you know but i mean my my general theory is just go ahead and, and put something down and it's a lot easier with a computer i mean i go back to write to typewriters right i started on typewriters and and like all of us in those days, you learned to make your first draft your only draft. I mean, I put down exactly what I wanted to say. I could edit it. I could tweak it around the edges. But basically, I could write exactly what I wanted to say the first time through. Uh, once I got a computer and could write shit and then go back and change it. Yeah. You know, um, Middle of the I night change. That skill, right? But, yeah. Uh, but, you can't always go back and change it, you know? It's like, yeah, you're not... It's kind of like me and my and my secret project. I mean, until I have it, I don't want to be... I don't have to put it out there. I'm not going to put it out there because I don't really know that I have it yet, you know? Mm, so. I like it. I, You know what, though? 100%, Stephen, you guys... Back in back when, and I'm not meaning to date you or anything like that. I'm not meaning to be like you're old. No, um, it's, it's a fact. It's a weird <laughs> fact, but it's a fact. The typewriting, I don't know if I, I would prob, I would know I'd get used to it, but to me, it sounds like the world away. Like I, I just give you guys so much credit for doing all you did on a typewriter. Like Tom Hanks is a huge typewriter collector, and he says he uses it every now and then. I'm like, how? How do you go? How do you go back? Like, do you go back at all, or like, do you have one still, or no? Or no, I don't have one now. Um, um, I had the top of the line back in like 1975. Oh, a electric thing with the little ball. Did you ever see those things? Yeah, Instead I vaguely of, remember that. We had the little ball. Um, huh. Yeah, I mean, but when my when my kids were young, and one day they, you know, they said. I said, let's watch a movie. And they go, well, I don't want to watch this movie. It's in black and white. <laughs> what? And I'm like, and I'm like, there have always been people, I mean, at any given point in time, whether you're talking about Shakespeare or Verdi or, you know, uh, silent movies, any of that mm. stuff, people took whatever technology they had and then, and then they applied themselves to get where they wanted to go, you know? So, I mean, people... People used to have to write stuff with a pen on paper, with ink in a bottle, and yeah. you know, I mean, it's like, but 
they did. You know, it's just you, you just do whatever it is that you what you have, and, and so typewriters. Um, you know, it was it was before FedEx. It was before the internet. It was before all that stuff. Um, so fine, you just you know you you deal with with what you've got. Um, I'm sure that you know. You know, 30, 40 years from now, people are going to... Well, I mean, the one thing that strikes me is cars. I mean, Jimmy. If, if we keep going toward driving, self-driving cars, yeah, I, you know, I can already imagine people in the future going, they just let anybody get a license and drive around wherever the fuck they want. <laughs> That's true. You oh, God, I mean? yes. Like, they were crazy people. I mean, how could they just, how could you get on a road with people who might run into you? Or do, you know, it's oh. like, well, you just did, you know. But, yeah. but it's going to be, when, when people can't drive cars anymore, it's going to be, I think people are going to find it very strange that we ever did. You know, it's oh, I, I, I picture the Super Bowl because in the Super Bowl last, the last one, there was a commercial, Chris Pratt and a bunch of other actors, and they were all doing their Boston accent, and it was a yeah, self parking car. car. Yeah, my dad, who's a mechanical engineer, shout out to you, Jason, is my, my dad, he does auto work all the time. We're not big guy in cars, has been forever. And he just, he, the immediate words were, get the fuck out of here. And it's like, he's like, this, no, that's, that will never work. And then it's like, oh, wait, it does? <laughs> wait a minute here. No. And it's, cause I just immediately think of that because when I, if I ever get with anybody, then whenever I'm a grandfather and say, if I live this, live that long, then I'm going to look upon it. I will probably be, I will remember this conversation, Stephen, and be like, oh, I remember Stephen once told me this, <laughs> that, oh my God, I remember that, like, we used to drive cars, kids. And they're like, you used to drive? <laughs> What's a steering wheel? And it's like, oh no. <laughs> Oh. And I'm gonna be, you know, I like to drive, so I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, when they when they won't let us drive anymore, I'm gonna be one of those people who actually got to tool down the road, you know, and 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 do what I wanted to. But you know, that'll go away. There'll be something new, which is the way of the world. That's true. If they, if there's a world left, according to everything, it says it's yeah. not. But <laughs> yeah, going on the world these days. Uh, well, it kind of gets me on wondering how back in the back in the back in the day. Uh, well, actually, I'll touch upon this fact first. Is with us talking about this, I gotta mention it. Is the other day, and this has happened to me two times in six months, that I have had someone twelve, thirteen year old, and they were my stepsister or something. I believe it was my stepsister, and came upon and was like, "Hey, what's blockbuster?" And I meet and in Hollywood video, like they said, they watched. I might not have been my stepsister, but it, it, the immediately were like, "What's Hollywood video?" I, I saw this this video talking about it on YouTube, and someone was like, "And she's like, yeah, but what about Blockbuster?" And I'm like, "I'm like, oh, uh, it's a place where you rent DVDs. DVDs." I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I've hit that age." Yeah. Oh. Well, thanks. I mean, it's been an amazing ride here. For the last since the '80s, I guess. I mean, Apple with its 1984 Macintosh oh, yeah. commercial, etc. I mean, we've we've just unbelievable stuff that's happened in the last 30, 35 years, whatever. Yeah. And but it's just. Hey, folks! Dakota here with a little bit of an ad break for you guys today. Do you guys like reading comics? Obviously, if you listen to the show, you do. What the fuck am I talking about? Then you guys, if you're in Arizona, which a good majority of the fan base is, shout out to the ones in Canada though, you guys can go to Drawn the Comics in Glendale, Arizona, located at 5801 West Glendale Avenue in Glendale, Arizona. I gotta say, folks, I've been going here for a long time now. 
Um, I've been to a few different comic book stores in Arizona in my six years of living here so far, and this may change due to the recording nature, but whatever. So I love going to draw in the comics. I really do. Ken, who runs it, is an amazing fucking laid-back dude. He's a wonderful guy. He's been on the show, ladies and gentlemen, before. And it's a really fun place to pick up the books. So draw in the comics in Glendale, Arizona. Get yourself a box, you know. Go in maybe just check it out. It's a fun place to escape into. His work, all the workers there are fucking wonderful folks. They really are. It's just like family at this point, at least for me. And it's a fun world to go into. There's collectibles there. There's toys. There's comics. You know, and you just get your box and reserve some books and whatnot. We have people on the show who've written and drawn comics, you know. Go in and pick up their work, folks. Jesus Christ. It ain't that difficult. So go to Draw on the Comics in Glendale, Arizona, folks. You guys can check them out also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks, everyone. Now back to the show. <laughs> exactly. And I, I mean, I quickly moved on, but it's still one of those that throws you for a loop in a minute. You're yeah. like, wow. Yeah. And I mean, shit, I still buy DVD, DVDs. I'll go on record. I still buy DVDs. And on my bookcase, I got a couple of VHS, and they ain't going anywhere. So yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> call me a Scrooge. Well, Stephen, how back? So I, I was going on back in the day, good man. Like, how did you get started in writing? Because from what I've been told by friends of mine, and the business and whatnot too, it was kind of tough for them. A lot of them it was really tough in the seventies and the eighties, and the sixties too. Being like, I want to be a writer. Was it tough for you, or was it kind of one of those things like you had a good support system of friends and family? Um. Well, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of things to unpack there. <laughs> um, back in the day. If you wanted to work in comics, you had to physically relocate to New York City because it was before the Internet or FedEx or anything. So you had to be able to physically go into the office and hand people stuff, and they had to hand stuff to you. They couldn't mail it, you know. But, I mean, by and large, 99% of everybody in comics all lived in New York. So I'm from Indiana, right? So um, I didn't have any friends or family support people around there, but I had everybody in comics you know yeah. everybody in comics was was there so you'd go to parties and and wally wood would be there oh god frank miller would be there yeah. and, you know at various times but i'm just saying we had this subgenre of comic book people in new york so you had all those people um in my case i wanted to be an artist it was the art that really interested me in mm-hmm. comics and it was and that's what i was pursuing i was in new york as a young artist, and I, I've, this is a, this is a, I've told this story a lot, but I mean, oh, yeah. Gary Friedrich, one of my friends was Gary Friedrich, who wrote uh, Nick Fury and, and, and Sergeant Fury and, and a ghostwriter, um, and he, a stewardess, was murdered in the apartment above his and his wife said, I want to get out of this city for a while. So he went back, he took her back to Missouri, where he was from. And he called me up and he said, I'm going to be gone for six weeks. Would you like to fill in for me as a, as a, the lowest level of editorial assistant at Marvel? And I almost said no, because I was living in Connecticut at the time. Oh. But, but I thought, well, you know, I working for, I, you know, I'm a Marvel fan, whatever. So I took it. And, and after six weeks, um, he decided he didn't want to come back, and he had also okay. decided that he had this this six-page or eight-page monster story that he had plotted, but he didn't feel like writing. He was mm-hmm. really just chilling out in Missouri. 
So he sent it back, and, you know, Roy Thomas, you know, really did kind of a like, uh, you, want to write this thing? Sure. You know? <laughs> sure, no problem. Said, sure, yeah. I mean, you know, fine, I'll, I'll do whatever. But I liked the writing, and they liked the writing, so they said, you want to do some more? And I said, yeah, you know, and that's how I became a writer, you know? So I was inside Marvel. Um, in those days, you would start out, I mean, after Monster Stories, or even with more Monster Stories, but also they were still doing romance books, and they were doing Western books, and they were doing monster books. So you would write these little six-page stories for that kind of thing as a kind of learning experience, how to write for comics, and then they were also evaluating, could this guy actually write Captain America or not, or whatever. And, you know, so it was it came, It wasn't until they thought, okay, we'll give him the Beast. We'll see what he can do with the Beast. <laughs> uh, you know, that I got a, you know, that I got, like, a regular superhero thing. And then, but, but they were publishing a lot of books. I mean, I don't know what your, you know, you said your friends had trouble, and I don't know how that exactly worked. But they were publishing a lot of books, and, and so if they liked you, they'd say, hey, want to do some more? And if they mm. liked that? They'd say, want to do some more? And, you know, so then I got up to four books a month or even five books a month, which I did decide that was too many. Yeah. I couldn't keep it up at five books a month. But, but you know, so so pretty soon I was doing, you know, four different titles at any given time. And, and um, that's where I learned about you have to sit down and you have to actually do the work, you know, because it's all due at some point. And, and, and you know, so I learned to be a mass market writer who works on deadline, which is not what everybody learns to be when they, you know, pursue writing. But that's, you know, I just, that's, that's what I learned to do. So that's what I did, you know? I like it. So you kind of just went with it. You were just like, you, you're like, okay, I'm going to roll with it. I, I'm going to take the opportunities at hand here. I'm going to go yeah. for it. Like, was there anybody who was kind of like, Hey, Steven, it's not going to work. Was, or was people like really behind your back on this? Because it seemed like you just took it around with it. And I know if, if I just all of a sudden moved to New York, it would have been all oh, hell breaking loose. And <laughs> with everyone I know, their friends, family, they'd be, what the hell are you doing? Like, hmm, what's going on here? Was yeah. it really that, like, when you decided to go leave, was it one of those, like, things like, oh, Steven's going to become homeless? Or, <laughs> or was it like, oh, no, he's actually doing good stuff? I just, I'm sorry, I'm kind of it broke up just a little bit there. I didn't hear what was the question. Oh what no no no! Uh, I was I was I'm just wondering like was it really like were were everyone around you like your friends family sort of uh, sort of thing were they really supportive when you decided to go out and be like yeah I'm gonna go do comics or um, was it one where like oh Stephen's gonna be homeless on this side of the road here soon? Uh, no, my I think my friends were all supportive. My father didn't think much of it as a career choice. Mm. Um, um, uh, but I mean it's. That's what. That's another thing about how weird this whole thing is. Because I did it because I wanted to do it. Because it it satisfied me. I could make a living doing it. You know, in the moment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But nobody had any idea that there'd be movies later. You oh, know? that's true. Oh yeah. So, right. So uh, I can't say if I I didn't think about this stuff back when I was young. I didn't didn't have to i'm mm -hmm. not i'm not in this reality but i mean i didn't think about you know well, what's going to happen when i get old you know when i can't you know uh, whatever uh but as it turned out they're making movies out of all this stuff so yeah. you know um i ended up 
as they say, being able to be retired and, and, and not having to, you know, chase any deadlines. It, uh, it's all been, I mean, I've been very lucky, basically. I've been, I've been, uh, you know, in the right place at the right time, and I had to deliver the goods when I was there, but I mean, I had opportunities that, you know, people don't get these days, and, and just luck of the draw, you know, that's just, I was there. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and stuff happened. Um, yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean, it's, it's, but you still kept going with it. And I think as creators, I'm, w- I'm with you 100%. Like, you want to do it because you want to do it. And I, I'm with you 100%. And because I work in film because I want to work in film, I'm not doing it to get rich. You know, I'm not working in comics to be a billionaire. It ain't going to really happen. You know, I, I like to tell stories and like to create. So, I can. Somebody could, you know, could true. license your comic and make a movie out of it, and then I mean that's possible these days. Oh, way possible. Oh, yeah. I, I even if they don't, I'm fine with it because the company I work for, they're like, we're gonna do live action commercials. I was like, okay, that's I, if I die and that's all I get is a live action commercial, that's fine. <laughs> I don't even like. I am okay with that because I still got to do what I wanted to do, you know, and, and make a living off of it. And it's that thing where I think as creators. And often you hear about it in the film business is we don't often look at retirement. We often look upon it as what's the next thing we're going to do because we figure we're going to die doing what we love. That's because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't yeah. seem that bad. You know, that seems like the way to go. Like, oh, he just kneeled over in a workshop or, oh, was at the writing desk and just kneeled over and, you know, we got the rest of the script here. Let's publish it. Uh, okay. And it's like, that's, yeah. that's good. Like, to me, that's fine. I, I'm okay with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. You know, whole lot better than working in an office. Yes. You know? Sorry yes. to everybody who works in an office, but I mean, <laughs> sorry, listeners. Freelance is great if you can, you know, if you can, if you can make it work well enough that you can pay your bills with it. If you, if you, if you can't, then you yeah. end up by the side of the road, I guess. You yeah. Know? And shit. But if you can make it work, it's it's a great life. Exactly. And shit, I'm even happy if and people are like, oh, you're a comic writer, you want to go for the big two, don't you? And I'm like, no, I'm. If if I don't, if I do one thing, I'm fine. I'll be happy. But if I don't. You won't get any like shits, grin, whatever. I won't. I'll be like, that's fine. I didn't. I still got to create like five different books. I can't talk about any of them. Uh, well, I can talk about a couple that are out, but I can't talk about some. But like, I still get to create and have five different series. Oh, merge with video game tie-ins, like all sorts of stuff. Like, it's fine, you know. And that's why a lot of people, I think, a lot of creators are like that and get a lot of flack these days for it. Uh, it's weird to me that people are like, oh, you got to do the retirement. My retirement is my job, you know. Yeah. Weird well, way. again, I, I one of the lucky things for me was that in the seventies the economy was great. You yeah. know, we were having a war. You know, yeah. I mean, there's, there's this and that and the other thing. But I mean, you could certainly decide that you didn't need to worry about your four hundred one k. And I mean, you didn't have to really. You know, you, things would be okay. Yeah. So, so you had that option, and I don't think that's necessarily true for you know. A lot of people today. No, I mean, well, shit. We, we were talking about it before. I mean, you get the drink with a lime, and then everything goes to shit. You know, like it's just the immediate. It's over. Like, and I, because I was listening to a show that today, and they were talking about the stocks, and, and I was like, huh, this is interesting, because it's just like, oh, yeah. So you never know with that. And times, times are really changing, folks, <laughs> for good and bad. Right. Oh. Well. I'm kind of one curious on this because you obviously, I mean, you did the big thing, you know, people are like, he did this, Stephen did this, and created all these characters. Would you, if they if they called you, be like, Stephen, we want you to touch upon Star-Lord or anything like, or Kilowog, 
would you like give a review or touch upon it or anything like that for an issue in anything like movie stuff aside because that's a whole separate animal when it comes to books would you do anything for it or you're like i've done my piece i let it go hey folks dakota here and do you guys like dungeons and dragons as much as i do because if so you're gonna like adventures in green and garb you know they're a really fun new group on youtube their whole DD campaign group but let me tell you what they're all about. Adventures in Green and Garb started as most D&D campaigns do around their parents' dinner table. Last year, they decided to bring it to YouTube, though, with the addition of costumes and green screens. Come on, that's adds some really cool flavor flavor right there. Still in the family, their season one campaign is nearing its exciting conclusion with many mysteries yet to be revealed. They hope you enjoy it as much as they love making it and playing, doing so much of D&D. So smash that like button, subscribe and share and look for them at this year's Gen Con. So I'm extremely excited to have these guys a part of the Comic Chronicle and Film World podcast, you know, to partner up and all that such because they're truly wonderful people and you guys should go subscribe and support them and give them a like. They're really, really fun. And because we've been playing throughout the commercial, I'm going to play you guys the theme that they have. The first time you're listening to this, you're going to want to go subscribe and then we'll get right back to the podcast. Thanks, everyone. Let us roll you a tale where heroes prevail as we wander the blight prepared for the fight On the edge of the world Claiming almighty glory In spite of the cost Love and loss frame our story We won't back now Bloodied by dragons made gory We roll this tale for you Roll for you Banded by fate Oblivion beware Watches great fires well Lightning cracking the air Olden powers unleashed Together taming the beast We roll this tale for you Roll for you Venture along ye daring hearts Sentence thrown, be not afraid Douse your doubts and join the Moving on, don't quit. Dreaming up one forfeit. Don't look back, stay alive, smite them, survive. Keep moving on, don't quit. Dreaming up one forfeit. Don't look back, stay alive, smite them, survive. Stay fast and through, we surrender our lives to defend all the realm till that good day arrives. When we lay down our swords, bodies scarred and bruised, having rolled a tale for you. On the edge of the world, claiming almighty glory In spite of the cost, love and loss frame our story We won't turn back now, bloodied by dragons made gory We roll this tale for you, roll for you Um, I probably would for Marvel and I probably would not for DC I'm I'm not a big fan of DCs. Uh, they've, you know, they treated me really badly over the Batman movie, um, uh, and they've never, you know, they've never, and and a few other things too. Um, DC is corporate, and they don't, you know, it's like we own it. Thanks, thanks for playing. You know, uh, we're not, we're not gonna um, recognize you at all for this kind of thing, um, and you know, for the Batman thing. 
you know, I will never write Batman again, I guess, because I'll never write it for DC, and that's the only place it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Marvel, you know, Marvel has not, uh, you know, Marvel's Marvel's a corporation too, but not like DC is a corporation. So they treated um, you nice. They were they were like Stephen, we respect yeah, you. All the time. Nobody treats you fine all the time. Well, that's true. I, I've had my issues with them, but I mean, in general, yeah. And so you know, if 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 Marvel called and said, "Hey, we want you to do something," I probably would, but mm-hmm. I I don't necessarily expect that because again. Um, you know, I what I would want would be what I used to have, which is the complete creative freedom. You know, mm-hmm. you want me to do Star Lord, I'll do the Star Lord that, that seems to work for me. And I'm not sure that that is possible these days. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, in 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 theory, in the abstract, Marvel yes, DC no. Fair enough. Okay, I mean, it makes sense in a way too. I kind of get that because I've heard a little bit of stuff about DC. Won't go on record saying, but I, I've heard a little bit of stuff with them, so I kind of I get it. But that's interesting though, because if they don't, they should call you. I think for stuff, but that's just my opinion of hey, respect the creators because you always uh, you sure. gotta know you gotta respect the creators because if you, to me that's like the biggest you know there's a lot of things, but that's kind of being a real big asshole about it because if you don't respect where the things came from, then you can't respect the thing in general. Well, I mean, DC started its whole concept with ripping off Siegel and Schuster, you know? That's I mean, true. <laughs> oh, fuck. Right? I yeah. Mean, there, there's been, that's been their motif from the start. Yeah. That, it, you know, it, the law says that we own it. End of story. You know? Thank you for playing. Yeah. But uh, uh, they've never had an appreciation. I mean, they hired Jack Kirby and then redo, redrew his faces, right? I mean, they don't. Yeah. They don't have anything. That's nah, just you know. That's uh, I could go on and on, and I'm not going to. But uh, you know, yeah, I'm. Uh, no, not working for them. Fair enough. Well, we're coming to the end of the show here, good man. And I definitely got to say is thank you for coming on to this show because this has been really enlightening of an episode to say the least. Uh, mm. Yeah, and I think you know you have a lot of good stuff to do, and like you got a lot of good stuff to talk about, and you know you give the truth about a lot. I love it with a passion, but. What is like? Do you obviously we talked about it before? You do you do you just do conventions or do you do like other things as well? Like do they be like, hey, can you come speak at this college or anything like that, or give a few classes on that, or is it just kind of like you just doing the conventions and working at home sort of thing? No, I do. You know, I've done colleges. Yes, you know, I do conventions. I don't do an infinite number of any of that stuff. Hmm. Uh, again, I got other things to do than spend all my weekends in hotel rooms. I like. Going for- <laughs> I like conventions, you know, I like to go, I like to talk to the fans, I always have, you know, I like good, bad, or indifferent, I like to talk to the people who are reading the stuff that I'm, that I'm putting out there, or or did put out there, Um, so I like conventions, uh, but I don't want to spend all my time doing them, Um, and yes, I've, you know, I've done college uh, campus things, and it's basically, um, you know, if it interests me, I'll do it. We talked earlier about my having, you know, this coronavirus maybe closing down some of the conventions that I thought I was going to go to, and and uh, I'm not happy about that, you know. Well, yeah. I, you know, but uh, that's a, that's a whole different story. But I mean, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, if if people think I've got something to say that they would find useful, you know, then then yeah, you know. But I mean. Not, I turned down 
half the conventions that I get offered. I mean, because I just, I only want to do so many, you Fair know. Enough. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Um, yeah, I just, I, I desperate. Oh, uh, yeah. But I mean, it makes sense because, you know, you got the conventions. I, they're a good place to, to say, go. You know, I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. I actually am on Instagram, but not, not any sort of big thing I'm, I'm not in you know one thing that i was too early for was social media i mean i don't i'm not interested in being online all the time so mm-hmm. i don't have the social media presence that that one is supposed to have you know oh that's fine <laughs> that's immediate i was giving my next follow-up is like do you have this but immediately that yeah that's 100 percent fine because honestly if you didn't get into it don't get into it if i didn't sign contracts i would not do it <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'd be like, oh, social media, what's that? If I knew you, I got your number. That's And I'll phone call you or text you or something like that or email you. That's yeah. all. It's like I'd, social media, I'm fine without. I really am. But, but yeah, like, well, that's where that frees up that. But, yeah, man, I, maybe if you come down to Phoenix this year, I'm hoping Phoenix is still happening because I'm planning on attending. I didn't get a chance. to. I came in late to try to get a booth. But, uh, but yeah, I definitely I will stop by and see where Phoenix is a good man. Well, I mean, if you come, <laughs> assuming, assuming that the show exists and assuming that that it's safe to come to it, yeah, then I will definitely. But you know, that's true. The, think, as we're recording this, we're still at that stage where every day they say, "Ooh, it's even worse than we thought," but yeah. we don't really know what the bottom is or where this is going to go. You know, so that's true. At oh, the yeah. moment, I'm just going with whatever they say. It's like it's like, hey, I'm just going to do what the doctor says and what what I can do. So, because I like to live a little bit longer, you know, got a book thing working on, got a couple more years still, and you know, it's like to go. Well, I mean, if, again, uh, I'm in I'm in good health, yeah. right? I mean, I'm not I'm I'm I've been around for a while, but I'm but I'm in good health. But it's like I do fall into the demographic that they say, oh, you know. Older people shouldn't do this or do that. It's like, yeah. well, I am one, so you know, okay. I believe if you stuck around this long, Steve, and you've survived a lot, I think you're gonna be just fine. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know? <laughs> like you know, I've, I've been through the Raider. We've been, I've been through bird flu. I got this. <laughs> yeah. I got the corona. Yeah. Like, oh man. Well, yeah, man. I'm gonna let you get going, good sir, because I don't want to take too much of your time tonight because it is kind of getting late. But I definitely want to say again, thank you for coming on the show. And when this book comes out, uh, you definitely have a free spot for an ad if you ever want it. All right. Cool. Sweet. But all right, a good man. Uh, we will end the recording here. Any final advice or words to listeners and fellow writers out there? No, I think I think we covered all that. Fair, it's true. We were really motivated. This was like a, a TED Talk in a podcast. <laughs> it kind of was. Huh, think about it here. All right, well, we're going to end the show here. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen, for listening, and stay classy, writers.